0: Good morning and greetings to each of you this morning. Thankful that we have the opportunity again. We were visiting there before started to sing How Fast the Weeks Go, and we say it I think almost every week, just another week has come and gone, and here we are. Yesterday I was kind of maybe relaxing just a little bit, and I was just kind of out in the shop and... Turning a bowl on a lathe and saw those chips just flying. Not real well, not as well as what I would have liked. But continue to practice and saw the chips flying. And I went in and sat down. It was a little before supper time, and um, thought just came to me as I watched those chips kind of come off. It just kind of seems like that's how the weeks go, isn't it? And we hope that there's something being shaped through it all. We hope that there's something being formed. Like there's a in God's hands, that all of the time that's being gone through and that's quickly passing by and our life is like a vapor, we hope that, that in the end that there will be something to show for it. That it won't just turn to dust and sawdust and chips. But that God has his hand on that chisel and that he's shaping us and directing us and sometimes those weeks don't Sometimes those weeks come with unexpected surprises, things that we don't plan on. There's a turn or a bend in the road that wasn't on the agenda, and yet, if we trust that God is the one that holds the chisel, that God is the one that is carving away at our life, and that He is, that he is the one that, that is making something here for His glory, for His purpose, that He would be pleased in it. We hope that we're redeeming the time that way, don't we? We hope that as we look back in this past week, that it's not just sawdust on the ground, but that God is working, God is making something, even though we don't always know what that end product is going to be, but we trust him. thought that it's just always a blessing to be able to have visitors with us, be able to know that. You've taken time out of your schedule and um, put the effort in to wake up probably a little earlier. I don't know in your case if that's earlier or not, but um, but we know it does take effort to get here. It's a lot of miles that have to be on the road and we uh we're we're grateful for that effort and it's an encouragement to be able to have you here with us and very thankful for it, and we trust that it's that it won't be in vain. We trust that all of our effort here that as we gather here today that we enjoy being in each other's company. We enjoy many of us here we work together almost every day of the week together now and um, and and yet there's something about Sunday that is special, and it's it's because we we try to intentionally recognize I think that we're to gather around god's word and we, we hope and pray that that God is with us. and I just think so often, you know, that should be reflected, I think. When God is with us, it should be reflected in the preaching. It should be reflected in the prayers. It should be reflected in the amount of passion that we sing with, the, in our fellowship, in our conversation. If God is with us. The one that's created the heavens and the earth, his almighty power beyond our Beyond our comprehension, God here in this place, we ought to know that. Shouldn't it shouldn't be something that we just have to say to comfort ourselves. It, it ought to be so present, so manifest, that maybe it would even be appropriate at times that just hushed silence. I heard a minister once ask the question, when was the last time that you went out of the sanctuary awed and stilled? Because God was there. And that's my hope and prayer, is that God would be here with us today. The words open to Ezekiel. Let's read from Ezekiel chapter 20. <coughs> a historical account of Israel, and it's a rather long chapter. I don't know that we'll. Read all of it. Maybe we will, but... let's read from start from verse one of chapter twenty. And it came to pass in the seventh year in the fifth month, the tenth day of the month, that certain of the elders of Israel came to inquire of the Lord and sat before me. Then came the word of the Lord unto me, saying, Son of man, speak unto the elders of Israel, and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Are ye come to inquire of me? As I live, saith the Lord God, I will not be inquired of by you. Wilt thou judge them, Son of man, wilt thou judge them? Cause them to know the abominations of their fathers." Wouldn't that have been a question mark that would have came up into their minds as they sat there, they come to hear the word of God, they come to ask questions, they come to know what is God's will for us, what's God's plan, what's God doing here, and all of this, we all can recognize that, we, re- we, we can relate with that, wanting to know what God's will is. Imagine coming before an elder, imagine coming before a, a man of God, imagine coming before someone that you highly esteem, a counselor, someone who's aged old, I think of I think of Brother Peter there. We mentioned him, how he's over 100 years old. Imagine coming before one of these uh, godly men and inquiring and wanting to know, I have a question. I, I want to know what, what, what should I do in this situation. And the, the brother the godly man says, I'm not going to answer you. I'm not going to be inquired of by you. Imagine how shocking that would be. Coming to want to hear the word of God, coming to want to find direction for your life, And have the man of God look at you and say, As I live, saith the Lord God, I will not be inquired of by you. How shocking this must have been to these men, these elders of Israel. He says, let them know why. Tell them why. Why? And saying unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, In the day when I chose Israel, and lifted up mine hand unto the seed of the house of Jacob, and made myself known unto them in the land of Egypt, when I lifted up mine hand unto them, saying, I am the Lord your God, in the day that I lifted up mine hand unto them, to bring them forth of the land of Egypt into a land that I espied for them, flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands, then said I unto them, Cast ye away, every man, the abomination of his eyes, and defile not yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God." But they rebelled against me, and would not hearken unto me. They did not every man cast away the abominations of their eyes, neither did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I said, I will pour out my fury upon them, to accomplish mine anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. But I wrought for my name's sake that it should not be polluted before the heathen among whom they were, in whose sight I made myself known unto them, in bringing them forth out of the land of Egypt. Wherefore I caused them to go forth out of the land of Egypt, and brought them into the wilderness. And I gave them my statutes and showed them my judgments, which if a man do, he shall even live in them. Moreover, also I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between them and, between me and them, that they might know that I am the Lord that sanctify them. But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They walked not in my statutes, and they despised my judgments, which if a man do, he shall even live in them. And my Sabbaths they greatly polluted. Then I said, I would pour out my fury upon them in the wilderness to consume them. But I wrought for my name's sake that it should not be polluted before the heathen, in whose sight I brought them out. Yet also I lifted up my hand unto them in the wilderness, that I would not bring them into the land which I had given them, flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands. Because they despised my judgments, and walked not in my statutes, but polluted my Sabbaths, for their heart went after their idols. Nevertheless mine eyes spared them from destroying them, neither did I make an end of them in the wilderness." But I said unto their children in the wilderness, Walk ye not in the statutes of your fathers, neither observe their judgments, nor defile yourselves with their idols. I am the Lord your God. Walk in my statutes, and keep my judgments, and do them. And hallow my Sabbaths, and they shall be a sign between me and you, that ye may know that I am the Lord your God. Notwithstanding, the children rebelled against me. They walked not in my statutes, neither kept my judgments to do them, which if a man do, he shall even live in them. They polluted my Sabbaths, then I said I would pour out my fury upon them to accomplish mine anger against them in the wilderness. Nevertheless, I withdrew mine hand and wrought for my name's sake that it should not be polluted in the sight of the heathen, in whose sight I brought them forth. I lifted up mine hand unto them also in the wilderness, that I would scatter them among the heathen and disperse them through the countries, because they had not executed my judgments, but had despised my statutes and had polluted my Sabbaths, and their eyes were after their fathers' idols." Wherefore, I gave them also statutes that were not good, and judgments whereby they should not live. And I polluted them in their own gifts, and that they caused to pass through the fire all that openeth the womb, that I might make them desolate to the end, that they might know that I am the Lord. Therefore, son of man, speak unto the house of Israel, and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Yet in this your fathers have blasphemed me, in that they have committed a trespass against me. For when I had brought them into the land for which I had lifted up mine hand to give it to them, then they saw every high hill and all the thick trees, and they offered there the sacrifices, and there they presented the provocation of their offering. There also they made their sweet savor and poured out their drink offerings. Then I said unto them, What is the high place whereunto ye go? And the name thereof is called Bema unto this day. Wherefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, Are ye polluted after the manner of your fathers? And commit ye whoredom after their abominations? For when you offer your gifts, when you make your sons to pass through the fire, ye pollute yourselves with all your idols, even unto this day. And shall I be inquired of by you, O house of Israel? As I live, saith the Lord God, I will not be inquired of by you. And that which cometh into your mind shall not be at all, that ye say, We will be as the heathen, as the families of the countries, to serve wood and stone. As I live, saith the Lord God, surely with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and with fury poured out will I rule over you. And I will bring you out from the people and will gather you out of the countries wherein you are scattered with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and with fury poured out. And I will bring you unto the wilderness of the people and there will I plead with you face to face. Like as I pleaded with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt, so will I plead with you, saith the Lord God. And I will cause you to pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant, into the bond of the covenant. And I will purge out from among you the rebels and them that transgress against me. I will bring them forth out of the country where they sojourn, and they shall not enter into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. As for you, O house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God: Go ye, serve ye every one his idols, and hereafter also, if ye will not hearken unto me. But pollute ye my holy name no more with your gifts and with your idols. For in my holy mountain in the mountain of the height of Israel, saith the Lord God, there shall all the house of Israel, all of them in the land, serve me. There will I accept them, and there will I require your offerings and the firstfruits of your oblations with all your holy things. I will accept you with your sweet savor when I bring you out from the people and gather you out of the countries wherein ye have been scattered, and I will be sanctified in you before the heathen. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I shall bring you into the land of Israel "'into the country for the which I lifted up mine hand "'to give it to your fathers. "'And there shall ye remember your ways "'and all your doings wherein ye have been defiled. "'And ye shall loathe yourselves in your own sight "'for all your evils that ye have committed. "'And ye shall know that I am the Lord "'when I have wrought with you for my name's sake, "'not according to your wicked ways, "'nor according to your corrupt doings. "'O ye house of Israel, saith the Lord God. "'Moreover the word of the Lord came unto me, "'saying, Son of man, set thy face toward the south, "'and drop thy word toward the south.' And prophesy against the forest of the south field, and say to the forest of the south, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will kindle a fire in thee, and it shall devour every green tree in thee, and every dry tree. The flaming flame shall not be quenched, and all faces from the south to the north shall be burned therein. And all flesh shall see that I the Lord have kindled it, it shall not be quenched. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, They say of me, doth he not speak parables? Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we bow before thee, thankful that we can pray to thee. And Father, as we consider the word that we've read here, we consider how difficult it must have been to have been one of thy prophets, to bring forth a message that would have been shocking. It would have been disrupting, and at times it infuriated those who were inquiring. And how many times, Father, we see then that those angry men, instead of receiving the rod of thy correction, instead of receiving the word as from thee, they abused those messengers who carried faithfully thy message. And over and over we see this, Father. And then we thank, Father, that today, in this very day, thou art the same God, that was clear back then, speaking to Ezekiel. Thou hast not at all decreased in holiness. Thou hast not become less just. Thou hast not increased in holiness. Thou hast not become more just. Thou art the same today as what thou was back then, perfect and complete. And thou dost still have the same desire for those who would go and be called by thy name, who would bear thy name among the heathen, and that that would be that we would be a faithful representation of what the children of God ought to look like and what the family of God ought to look like and how the family of God ought to behave. How many times, Father, The family that bore thy name and was called to be a light unto the nations did not faithfully represent who thou art and what thy desire was for thy family. They did not show and reveal. Father, here we are now today, believing that it's still thy will and desire that thy children be faithful, and represent the, faith, the family of God faithfully. That we would not bring shame or reproach upon thy name, Father. That it would not be because of us that the nations of the earth would blaspheme my high and holy name. And yet, Father, we see so many people today who do not have much good to say about what they have seen in Christianity. And so then, Father, we really wonder how different is today than what the day was in Ezekiel's day. We think, Father, it's maybe pretty similar as well. That maybe altogether, we know that thou hast not changed. But maybe, Father, altogether things haven't changed much. Men are still men and thou art still God. And that is why, Father, we come here today to be instructed by thee. But maybe, Father, we will find that we need thy correction so that we would not bring shame to thy name in the land that we live in here today. Help us to faithfully represent thee, Father. Help us to be a light and an example. Anoint us, O God, with thy presence. Be here in our midst today. Instruct us and teach us and correct us. Father, please, If we are in need of the rod of correction, lay it to our back and correct us. Dear God, if we are in need of strength and encouragement, and uplifting, if we are weary and downcast, then be thou our encourager. We think we know what we need, Father. We come here maybe with even hoping that we will get what we want, that we will get what we think we need. But, Father in heaven... We have found that so often what we think it is that we need is not actually the case. And the way that things go that we oftentimes resist, Father, if we can just but let thee have thy way, we find out that it was actually for our good and that thou hast meant it well for us who can trust in thee and just allow thee to lead and guide us and direct us. So may we not chafe under thy chastening rod, Father, today. May we not harden our hearts and stiffen our necks, but may we be moldable, Father, and pliable as clay in the potter's hand. Father, having faith to see that hand that holds the chisel, and Father, even though at times as those pieces fly off and those rough edges are made plain and smooth, we feel the pain, Father, of that chisel at times. But we pray for grace to bow our heads and humbly submit and allow thee to have thy way with us so that we could be that family, Father, that is children that are not rebelling, that are not resisting, but that are yielding to the Father's touch, that are yielding to the Father's correction, that are yielding to the Father's ways. O oh God, we desire to please thee as a family. Give us grace to do this, we pray. We love thee, Father, and we thank thee. It's in thy holy and precious name we do pray, amen. Words open here to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. This may be one of the most read chapters that we've read together as a congregation. We could say, well, maybe the Bible's broke there, or maybe my thumb is calibrated to hit that particular page. Or we could take it that maybe God looks upon us and thinks that maybe we still need to hear something from that. And that would be what my, my faith would be. I told a brother this week, I said, you know, I, don't, I really don't like repeating myself. But I told him, I said, but you know, as long as I continue to repeat myself to you, you will know that I still don't think you get it. As long as I keep repeating myself to you, you know that I still don't think you get it and that you need to hear it again. And I think that Maybe that's how God can look at us sometimes, that we open his word, we become very familiar with it, we become very familiar with God's word and how it speaks, and we read the messages, yeah, 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 we know how that ends, we've read that a hundred times, we could quote it, we can almost speak it from memory, and we miss that God is trying to say something to us. We miss that God is trying to speak to us because of how familiar we become with it, how often we've heard it. So, maybe God looks at us and says, we still don't get it. They need to hear it again. I think it's how it was here with the church there at Corinth, with all of the struggles and the challenges and the 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 problems that they had. And Paul is writing here in chapter thirteen. Verse one it says, This is the third time I am coming to you. The third time. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. I told you before and foretell you as if I were present the second time, and being absent now I write to them which heretofore have sinned, and to all other, that if I come again I will not spare. Since ye seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you word is not weak, but is mighty in you, for though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? But I trust that ye shall know that ye, we are not reprobates. Now I pray to God that ye do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak and ye are strong. And this also we wish, even your perfection. Therefore I write these things being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness according to the power which the Lord hath given me to edification and not to destruction. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. Greet one another with an holy kiss. All the saints salute you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Did you catch that? How many times Ezekiel wrote God had spoken to him? How many different times? I want to see here if I can find it. I won't, I won't find each case where he said this. He said in verse 22, and again, I think we see it in different places. Go back to verse 9, and it's said there again. It says, But I wrought for my name's sake that it should not be polluted before the heathen among whom they were, in whose sight I made myself known unto them, and bringing them forth out of the land of Egypt. It says, but they rebelled against me and would not hearken unto me. And that's really picture. You picture what that really is. And and if we if we look here at Corinthians, and can we see the? Can we see what? really the big picture is, as God is looking at it. Men ask, what is the purpose of life? Why am I here? What is the meaning of existence? They ask all of these questions. And the word tells us so plainly that all things have been made for God's pleasure. All things have been made for God's pleasure. I can't understand all that. I don't know how that all works, but I believe that. And that's just simply what the Word of God tells us. But the Word of God also tells us, and this has is, this is been repeated now so many times, but the Word of God also tells us that the whole purpose of creation we know is to give pleasure to God. But it's also, if we would read further on and we would find there in Ephesians, we also find out that the purpose of creation is also, that the whole purpose of creation would be so that the church, being placed here within this creation, so that the church being placed here on earth, the church being placed here in the midst of all of the animals and all of the plants and all of God's glory and creation, that the church, and when I say the church, those who, who bear the name of God, who have been washed from their sin, who have been cleansed from their sin, who have been born again, who have been made a new man, not after the man Adam, but after the man Christ, has been made a new man, a new creature, has been brought forth, that that man and the congregation that he belongs to, the brotherhood that he belongs to among the other saints that he is connected to and joined with there as part of the body of Christ, that that church and that place, that the whole purpose of creation would be so that that church there and that place in the midst of this could demonstrate, the church could demonstrate to all of this the manifold wisdom of God. So that when it says, so that when the angels of heaven look down from heaven, and the principalities and the powers of the air and all of the unseen forces that are all around about us that we don't have a lot to say about but the scripture does reveal it's there there are de- there are devils there are demons there are angels there are fallen angels there is satan there is there is michael there are there is a spiritual realm that is all around us even at this very moment and they're engaged engaged and occupied not in just sitting around and just having fun playing games. They're engaged in in warfare, in battle. There are battles that are going on that we've gotten insight in from the scriptures to show us that in the time of Daniel, the angel comes to Daniel and says, Daniel, I would have been here quicker. I would have been here sooner, but I was hindered because, because the prince of Persia has stood up against me and withstood me. Who was that prince of Persia but some other fallen angel? And we can't say too much about all of that because I doubt that any of us here have ever actually saw into that. But we read the scripture and we understand that there is a realm of true, real spiritual beings who are there and who have power and who have power actually to move nations and who have power to move men and who have power and control over men. Sometimes they even have power over the animals. As we can read there in in the account where Christ cast the devils out of the the legion, out of the demoniac there, and they went into the herd of swine. And so we, we get insight and we understand that there are spiritual beings all around us that are occupied and engaged. And what are they occupied and engaged in? Is it all without purpose? It says that, how art thou fallen from this... From the heavens, O Lucifer, son of the morning. He thought within himself that he would become God. And the war is against God. The war is against Christ. And the war is against the bride of Christ. And these angels and fallen angels and powers and principalities, whoever they are, wherever they are, as much as they are, are engaged in watching and spectating the church. Now that sounds amazing, doesn't it? That sounds outstanding, doesn't it? That they are engaged in watching and observing and looking at you and I. It's not just our neighbors that are watching us. It's not just our family that's watching us. It's not just our other brothers and sisters that are watching us. It's not those that we go and we work with and we're, in, we're, we're employed with and that we have interaction with. There is a whole realm of being that is watching this drama unfold from generation to generation to generation. And all throughout history, it has been God's desire and the whole purpose of creation was to have his people to demonstrate the manifold wisdom of God, his manifold wisdom, so that when those angels would look at the children of God, the family of God, the church of God, that the angels would look at them and say, we, we, we never knew. They're there in the very presence of God, beholding his holiness, beholding his majesty, beholding his glory, beholding his creative power and omnipotence. They behold all of that, but they could not understand God as a rock to man that man would call him their rock. They could not understand that. They could not understand God as a shepherd, that he would be a shepherd to his flock. They could not understand that God would be a rock and a defense from the heat and from the shade and shade them from the heat of the enemy. There was things about God and his plan of salvation, wisdom, that though they were in his presence, they, they, they had to learn. And Ephesians tells us that's the whole purpose of the church. That's the purpose of you and I being here today, is that we would give forth a demonstration that we would show to the world and to the principalities and the powers and the angels and those spirits that are all around us even at this very moment, that we would demonstrate the manifold wisdom of God so that when they look at us, they would say, this is truly incredible. This is absolutely, truly incredible. And that's exactly what Israel was not doing They were rebelling against that. That's exactly what Corinth was not doing. They were not being the representation of the family of God to the world around them that God had created and made for them to do, his will for them. He had a will that Corinth be a light and a beacon and a salt of the earth there at Corinth, and they were not being that. They were being ordinary. They were being worldly. The world could look in at their relationships among themselves and say, There's nothing spectacular here. Look at their husband and wife relationship there. There's nothing amazing about that. We see that all around in all the neighbors. They act exactly the same. They treat each other the same. They act the same. They talk the same. Behind closed doors, there's nothing really special about that. There's nothing amazing. They could look at their interaction between brother taking brother to law, and we say there's nothing fantastic about that. That's what the world does. You do me wrong, I'll take you to court and make sure that justice is paid. You owe me something because you hurt me, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, and we'll take it before the law. And when those brothers did that to one another, there was nothing amazing about that. The devils and the demons and Lucifer and his fallen host could look at that and laugh and say they call themselves Christians, followers of Christ, taking each other to law. They know Jesus would never have done that. They know Jesus would never have treated his spouse, his bride like that behind closed doors. He knows that as the son of God, he'd never rebel and go against his father like that. They know those things about Christ. And they can laugh and mock, and God's name is blasphemed. That's why God hates when those who bear his name as the family of God. That's why he says, I won't be inquired of you. You've missed the whole purpose as the children of God. And that's why in verse 9, I believe we can read there, and it was not because they deserved it, not because they, there was something intrinsically good about them that God looked at them and said, well, you know, I better just withhold my punishment from them because they do have kind of a good heart. It wasn't there. The reason he withheld his hand from destroying them was so that the heathen would not look upon it. Moses pled and said, "'Oh God, don't destroy them.'" When God came to him and said, move aside, Moses, I'm going to destroy this people, and I'll take you, and I'll raise out of you and out of your seed a nation much greater than them, and I'll bear my name on that nation. Because, see, God has always been primarily interested in having a nation, a people, a group of men and women called by his name representing him on the earth. A family that would represent him and his will to show the world this is how it's supposed to look. This is how family is supposed to be. This is how business is supposed to be ran. This is how the husband-wife relationship is supposed to work. This is how you're supposed to treat others when things don't go quite right. This is how you're supposed to yield to the will of the Father. That's been his desire all since time. And he says, Moses, stand aside. I'll take you and I'll raise up a nation out of you. And Moses said, no, Lord, please don't do that. Because you know what the nations will say they'll say God wasn't strong enough. God wasn't strong enough to bring them into their land that he promised. And they'll mock you. You see how the whole purpose of God's creation to bring his church, and it was his church out there in the wilderness. It was his church that was wandering through that wilderness that did not faithfully represent him. And Moses says, don't do it, Lord. They'll mock And God says to Ezekiel here, I won't be inquired of them because they've rebelled against me. Imagine what it's like to come before the world and to say, we have all the answers to all the problems. The world says, that's pretty audacious. That's pretty arrogant. That's pretty bold. But as a child of the Heavenly Father, ought we not to be able to say, We have the answers to every problem that the world faces. We're not saying that we have all knowledge as individuals, that we know what to do in every situation, but we believe by faith that in this word that God has communicated to us that we know and have the answers. Isn't it bold and audacious for us to say, and that we are going to show to the world what the world could look like, If everyone, if everyone followed the Lord. And that's what, as a church, we're trying to do here. We're trying to show to the world what the world could look like if men and women, brothers and sisters, husbands and wives, children, if everyone lived and followed the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what the world could look like. Wouldn't that be glorious? Wouldn't that be glorious if the world could look in at us and say, you know, that marriage, I've never seen a marriage like it before. And you know, you look at their children and you look at how well behaved they are and how beautiful that is. And there's something there, and you walk into their home, and, and it's my, it's glorious. And this is what the world could look like if everyone followed the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they come into our congregation as we're gathered together and they see the brotherly love that we have for one another and they, they, they come into our presence as we're working together throughout the week and they see that we're singing with one another, we're, we're enjoying one another's company, we're, we're challenging one another, we're strengthening one another, there's lively fellowship, there's lively conversation, we're out, we're helping our neighbors, we're doing good, we're, we're, and they say, my, and we say, this is what the world could look like if everyone followed the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a beautiful demonstration. That's the whole purpose of God's creation. Is that here in this platform, with the creation that the church here in this place would demonstrate to the world, that's what it could look like. That's the will of God being done on earth, here on earth, as it is in heaven. But think what that is, and this is what it was like. It's like saying that, but then they come into your home, and they see your home a pigsty. They see your home a total disarray and disorder. Junk all over the place. Kids hanging from the curtains, kids hanging from the ceiling fans, kids hitting one another over here. This kid, dad's trying to grab him, he's kicking his feet at him, screaming a monster fit. And we say, "We've got all the answers to all the world's problems. Don't you want to be just like us?" And they say, "You're a joke. You're an absolute joke." I don't know if I should cry or laugh. I don't want anything to do with it. I know that. I'll go my own way. Thank you. I'll make my own path. That's why God hated this. That's why God says, don't come and inquire of me until you quit rebelling against me, until your profession and your walk match up, until the stinking hypocrisy that's in your life gets out of there and you're actually doing what you say you're doing and you're living the way you say you believe. But don't close the doors and be a monster behind closed doors and invite people in and say, we've got all the answers to all the world's problems and this is the way I, the world could be if everybody followed Jesus. It looks like chaos to me. I don't want anything to do with it. No, thank you. And the world looked at it and said, you're a bunch of hypocrites. You're just a bunch of hypocrites. And Jesus says, I, or God says, I'd destroy you except for what the heathen would say if I did. And that's why, that's why. Now think about it, dear ones. Think about it. That's hard. I don't want anything to do with that. I want you to walk in my home, and sometimes I'd have to repent. I'd have to say, I'm sorry. Caught us at a bad moment. There's reality to that, isn't there? But, but. I hope not. I really hope not. I'm not saying that to give anybody here an excuse. If you've got chaos in your home, you've got children that are rebelling against you, you've got kids hanging from the ceiling fans, you've got chaos in order, you have to understand something here. Each of us have to understand something here. We are to give a representation to the world. This is what Jesus would be doing right now. This is how Jesus would be treating my wife. This is how Jesus would be treating a husband. This is how Jesus would be treating the children. This is how Jesus would be responding to the, this is how Jesus would be on the earth right now, and this would fix the world if everybody did it. And if we can't say that, we've got something wrong. We've got something wrong. God comes and says, he says, repent. Give a true profession. Give a true demonstration. Give a true representation of the church of God. Otherwise, as children that bear his name, we'll be part of the children of Egypt that did not make it into the promised land. It's just where it's at. Will we be among those that are able to enter in? I hope and pray and plead so. I trust so. I trust God's moving and stirring among us that we want what's real. We want a true profession. God give us the grace, the strength. We had some hard conversations this past week, and I hope this past next coming week, I hope we continue to, because we need to challenge and push and to call out and to say, but we also need to come beside our brethren and say, give encouragement, give help, give a loving hand. When the world sees us, when the world sees us, when our children see us, What do they see?